episode of Make Defense Great Again. My name is Chris Fassler, a.k.a. Coach Fass. Hey, now. Thank you so much for joining us. Today, we have a living legend, the one, the only, Don Brown. We have an in-depth conversation about defense and some of the things that he does. He takes us through the process of game planning his five-man pressures, breaking pass protections. We talk about cover one and spinning the safeties based on the sniffer and some of the other options within the coverage to defend sniffer stuff. We talk about cover two zone dogs and how to play the coverage behind it, as well as some blitz paths that he really likes. We talk about 5-0 looks and getting the offense to check the man protection, defending 12 personnel wing twins, snug and squeeze sets as well as triple option practice advice and game plan advice and then we have a little fun at the end talking about uh, bill belichick where he sees defense going and the people that inspire him before we get started our normal housekeeping make sure to follow me on twitter at coach vass and follow the show's account at mdga podcast hop on over to my website www.coachfast.com where you can see links to all my stuff including my coach tube videos which i will also put the link to the bundle at the bottom of the show notes of the podcast you can access the notes in your favorite podcast app scroll to the bottom and then directly click the link also i will put the link to my patreon which is patreon.com slash Got a lot of fun stuff going on, including drawings to some of the pressures that Coach Brown talked about, and also a bonus podcast with James Light going more in-depth into Coach Brown's schemes. And if you're a gold member, we got about 50 Michigan cut-ups coming your way. Stay tuned for the Coach Fast Coach Tube Course of the Week, which we'll get into a little bit later. And please subscribe and rate and review the show if you have a few extra minutes. Writing a little blurb really helps. And so if you feel so inclined, tell the world why Make Defense Great Again is the greatest podcast you've ever heard. And lastly, I've been teasing a major announcement, and here it is. We're excited to share with you some big news as it relates to the Make Defense Great Again podcast. For those of you who missed it, a few weeks back, I did a webinar with Huddle where we talked about the game plan and implementation process, including all the different data points you should be tracking in your film and how to bring it to the practice field. Well, I'm pleased to let you know that once a month, starting in June, you'll be able to find even more Coach Vast football content on Huddle.com's media channels. We'll be roping in big-name guests, we'll be answering your questions, and all of it geared towards getting the most out of your next season. Our next webinar will be a question-and-answer panel addressing all of your defensive questions to get the upper hand this upcoming season. Joining me will be Adam Gaylor from Jenks High School, Chris King from St. John Bosco and Chad McGee from Hoover High School. You can tweet me at Coach Vass or you can reach me in the Huddle Slack community where I'll be sharing some great information to prep you for your 2020 campaign. To learn more about joining the Huddle Slack community where more than 2,000 coaches are currently networking and trading ideas, go to huddle.com and find their online coaching community or just shoot me a DM. I look forward to seeing you in Slack at the Q&A panel webinar and I especially look forward to this partnership with Huddle to bring you the best content out there. Okay, now it's time to listen to Coach Brown and I. Let's get into it, man. Our guest today needs no introduction, but he damn sure deserves one, so I'm going to give it to him instead of making him tell you about himself. He is entering his fifth year as the defensive coordinator at the University of Michigan. He's been a finalist for the Broyles Award twice and nominated three times. He was the AFCA Assistant Coach of the Year in 2015. 
in his final season in Boston College. In 2006, he was the AFCA Region 1 Coach of the Year when he was at UMass. He also won Atlantic and New England Coach of the Year that season, an honor which he'd previously won at Northeastern in 2003, where he was also named the New England Football Writers Coach of the Year. And as the head coach at Plymouth, he was AFCA District 1 Coach of the Year in all three seasons. And if you listen to our first podcast together, we talk about his exploits as a baseball manager, which is an amazing story. In Coach Brown's four seasons at Michigan, the defense has been among the top 12 in NCAA in total defense with three seasons in the top three, which is insane. They've led the nation or ranked second in passing defense on two occasions and twice posted an NCAA leading third down conversion percentage. 43 out of his 44 starters at Michigan have won all Big Ten honors, which is just eye-popping. I've named most of the schools, but I'm going to give them to you anyway. Don Brown has been coaching since 1977, including stops at Hartford High School, Dartmouth, Mansfield University, Yale, Plymouth State, Brown, UMass, Northeastern, UMass again, Maryland, UConn, Boston College, and now Michigan. He is one of my all-time favorite guests and all-time great guys to talk to, and I am super excited about this conversation. Coach Brown, welcome to the show. My pleasure, Chris. Now, before I get into my questions, I got to say, well, this this kind of ties into a question. I studied a lot of your game film from 2019, TV copies, anything I could get my hands on because I knew we were going to be talking today. And I honestly have to say, I don't know if I have seen a defense ever play as hard as your guys did last year. I mean, it was... And I know for me, that's, I, I don't know if you could pay me a higher compliment if somebody was to say that to me, but your guys were everywhere. It didn't matter if you were playing Middle Tennessee or Ohio State from the first game to the last regular season game. I, I've never seen anything like it. And I know there's a lot that goes into that. What do you think is the number one factor in getting kids to play that hard? Well, I think the one thing that you have to do is uh, there's some things as a coach that you just, there's no flexibility. uh, And that's one of them because you know, you can't always control your talent level. You can't always control who's, who's injured, who's hurt, who's, who's not ready, you know, for those reasons, but you can control how hard you play. And, uh, and, and, it, and obviously it, it becomes a rallying cry for us. And I tell them all the time, you're at Michigan, you're representing Michigan. Nobody, nobody, but nobody is um, ever going to second uh, guess our level of effort. They can talk about how dumb a coach I am and what I, but the, the effort level will never be questioned. And I think uh, that's the one thing our guys have really taken to heart is, uh, and I appreciate you saying that, because um, I think our guys really do play play hard. It's insane. I mean, I was a lowly gopher for the University of Miami back when they were still the U. Now they're kind of like the, the, the upside down U, the sad face. But I've seen Georgia's, I've seen Alabama's national championship defense in person. I've seen Clemson's national championship defense in person. I mean, I've seen some of the great defenses in college football. 
the 2001 Miami team. But I don't know if I've ever seen a team that, I mean, just the snap of the ball, it's just chaos. And I don't mean that in like a disorganized, you know, because some people say, oh, like chaos is bad. Like you were creating chaos and guys are refusing to be blocked, bouncing off of blockers and run into the football. I've never seen a team that mugs up. There was a couple plays. The Middle Tennessee game sticks out to me. There weren't a lot of snug sets, which we'll get to in a little bit. And you were mugging up your linebackers. And they were throwing like perimeter screens and swings and things. And they had angles on your guys, but they played so hard. It made up for being walked up. Now, I had a question. Defense has changed a lot in the last five, seven years. The RPOs and all that stuff. How do you feel that defense has evolved globally in those last five to seven years? And then how do you feel that it's evolved for you specifically and like what you do? Well, the RPOs have certainly had an impact on how you play. Um, but I have an interesting stat for you. Um, what do we have? 65 teams in the power five. Is that all right? Yeah, that sounds about right. And we saw, we were 62nd in the amount of RPOs we saw. Interesting. So, you know, we're, we're known for being a heavy, heavy man free team. And obviously as long as you can hold up in coverage, you know, you're gaining, you know, you're going to have one more than they got in the box. So that's point one. But then you also have to have ways to um, gain overhangs against the run game out of your zone package as well, which requires you to have zone principles, but man principles built into your zone principles. Mm-hmm. So that you can gain the overhang. So, uh, you know, the, the RPO and the division of, of uh, labor that you have to deal with as a defensive coordinator, whether it's the zone read, there's two pieces, whether it's the bluff off the split zone, uh, or whether it's the, uh, you know, I, the power O read, I call it the sucker play. You know, they're all forcing a division of labor. So you have to have a way to get an extra half man, um, and 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 it's it's all there. It just you just have to make sure that you're you're willing to put the time in to um, you know to gain to to gain that extra half man. Yeah, it's really important. That's an interesting stat in terms of the RPO. That's that's really really interesting, and it makes sense. I mean. I mean, playing cover one is the best, I think the best defense for RPOs. Cause like you said, divisional labor, you're taking care of the run with certain guys. You're taking care of the pass with other guys. You're not in conflict if you're in man, cause you're looking at your guy. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of merit to that. So, and this is actually a good segue. So, you know, for my money, you're one of the best, if not the best cover one, five man pressure team. And I know you run cover one with a rat and only rushed four, but. I really like yeah, we a lot do it all. Of, we do it both ways. Right. I really love how you guys use your five man twists. Um, I had Nate Woody on the podcast a couple uh weeks ago and we talked about Bear Joker City. Uh that was said was the favorite <laughs> call. Because he was a real rush four, play three four spacing and stuff. And so and I I asked him about his time with you and he I mean he was just he loves you. I know this is going to be kind of a hard question to answer, kind of a general question, but I'm going to do my best uh, Barbara Walters impression to make it make sense. 
you know, you do you do a lot of twisting, looping, movement in the run game with those five man twists. Starting in the run game, how are you constructing those stopper calls where, you know, you got a team that's, you know, versus let's say 11 personnel, America's uh, personnel grouping, you know, where you, you yep. have a, an offense that can run zone, split zone, they can run the bluff, they can run counter, they can run power, they can run outside zone, they can run pin pull. How are you designing these pressures? Like when you're sitting in, and I know a lot of it, you know, with the experience that you have, you have a library of stuff, but you know, you're like everybody else. You're constantly evolving and creating when you're trying to design those five man pressures that you're known, you know, so much for. And I mean, I love, I, I honestly, I could watch you guys run those five man twist pick games with cover one behind it all day. And I literally did that yesterday, <laughs> but how are you putting them together? How are you start? What's your starting point? You're like, okay, I got to attack this personnel grouping where they can do a little bit of everything. What are you looking at to get that chaos? How are you looking to attack it? Are there certain gaps you're trying to, you know, a lot of people talk about trying to penetrate the B gap away from the back end zone, things like that. Like what's your starting point with designing some of those twists and calls in the run game? Well, I think the first thing that you have to determine is are they going to run the ball with zone schemes or are they going to run the ball when they really want to run the ball with gap schemes? And, uh, you know, that's where I start. You know, are they a big gap scheme team? You know, pull the guard, pull the H back, uh, pin and pulls, block the tight end down you know, based on what your alignment is with the three technique, is it pull the guard and center or is it, you know, pull the guard and tackle? And and then you've got to just be relentless, for example, in your linebacker fits that company, the gap uh, responsibilities that the defensive linemen have. So, uh, I, I mean, and you, and you, there can be no gray area, you know, we, we get it down to, okay, you got the first puller, you got the second puller, meaning we're talking to the onside backer, the offside backer, mm -hmm. uh, or the onside safety. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter who the guy is that's coming in place to, you know, make the run fit. It's really more about, you know, you're in, you're in the number one position, you have to take the first puller. So, you know, because we're going to play, we're going to have different guys show up in different places. And, uh, you know, so you've got to be singular in purpose in terms of the run gap fits and not as much, well, the safety's got that fit and this guy in the linebacker's got this fit because it could be whoever based on what support structure you're in. Right. And I, I think that's a big piece. But boy, I'll tell you, the gap versus zone scheme. And I think the counterplay is a big determinant as well, because, you know, we've had a lot of success with the a gap puncture away from the counter G you know, on the counter where they pull the guard in uh, H back, you know, it starts with, you know, the a gap uh, puncture. And uh, we've had a lot of success running those plays down from the backside before they even get started. And then, of course, you're going to defend them conventionally. And, and for example, if 
the defensive end is inside, then the outside linebacker has to be trained to dent, mm-hmm. and then the outside linebacker has to come over the top, and if he has a second puller, then he has to dent, and ultimately you're giving the ball to the safety or the same outside linebacker. Right. Yeah, it's uh, we've done a lot of that stuff too, where if we're, because I, I obviously I have an affinity for those five-man cover one pressures. Like, for example, if we're going to rip power or counter, we try to do something where we're going to pull the nose to the side that they're running the ball in a shade and then get him to the strong A gap and then blitz somebody off the ass of the center. So if the center stays on him, somebody comes right off his ass, try to pick off the puller or vice versa, occupy the center, occupy the guard, and then get the backside run through. You know, just bring the will and the strong side A gap, stuff like that. And then in zone, like I mentioned earlier, puncture the B gap away from the back. But yeah, I was just curious because I see like we talked about the Bear Joker stuff where you're spiking the end in the B, you're looping a backer outside to contain, you know, but sometimes I see you where you take your end down and you loop your three outside. I see sometimes where you take your three and you run a little Tom game or ton game, whatever you call it, where he penetrates and the nose wraps. And it's, you know, I know you're a methodical guy and I know that, you know, a lot of like any coach, you do things for a reason. And I know you can't give away all the trade secrets, yep. but I'm just curious. You know, you see all these. Well, I'll tell you the one. I'll tell you one thing that you hit on. You know, when you bring that end down for the B gap, mm-hmm. and then you wrap the backer. Mm-hmm. That end. There's there's two really important features that need to be coached. Obviously, if the tackle steps to them, you know the offensive tackle. That end can get in the B gap pretty easily, to be honest with you, because the guard's thinking about zoning the two technique and going up to the backer. Mm -hmm. So you can get that puncture with action to you. If the action's away for you, though, it's difficult to get the end into the Mm B-gap. And one of our biggest pieces is then we cheat the guy. So in other words, as he zones down, we just take our hand and put it on the hip and on the shoulder pad and we launch that. We just keep him move, moving, so he cancels the B gap, and we call it cheeking, because one hand goes on the hip or cheek of his butt, and the other one, you know, you just you're pushing down on his uh, near pad tip, and just trying to choke the gap. And I got some. I mean, there's some great clips of our guys cheeking, and then the uh, either the back of wraps around, or you know, the inside to outside fitter wraps around and then he becomes in essence the defensive end right who what we call pupping where he's closing down uh you know and replacing that defensive end who's you know either consciously gone into the b gap or is with all his might cheeking that defensive end so there is no escape hatch inside for the running back you're basically playing the B gap from the back door. You're closing it down and you're almost playing oh, it like correct. from behind the line of scrimmage. Okay, yeah. Just remember now that tackle's gonna close to deal with that B gap when it's action away. Mm-hmm. So you just help them, keep them trucking right yeah. on to, to you know, push him right down from the back side uh to the front side. Yeah, our guys were actually decent at that because we played for four years, we opened with Dale LaSalle High School and they ran the split back beer. And so we got so used to frictioning the tackle and shoving that guy down that we actually, 
we were good against that. And then teams started running stretch and our guys were getting just reached really easily. I'm like, all right, we need to, we need to widen out a little bit, but yeah, no, totally. And, and then those are some really great points. And, and I love, I mean, I love those pressures where you're jamming the end and the B gap and loop and the art to me is having the guy, the backer come up and then loop outside, you know, so they can't, if you, if you walk up yep. off the edge, they can pass it off and get to you. But if you, you know, and if you hit it too tight, then they can get outside of you. And it's, uh, we really worked the hell out of that, uh, especially in 2018. And I told, I've told this story before, but we actually ran that little scrape path, whatever you want to call it to the back instead of away. It was kind of a mistake. And the QB saw the end jamming in the B gap and the backer running straight ahead. And he's salivating going, Oh shit, I got this. And he goes to pull it. And our guy basically does a peekaboo and comes outside. And the QB was so surprised. He just drops the ball and we landed on it. So it was the greatest TFL of all time. Or actually it was a, I, we scooped up the fumble. So, I mean, I've those, those pressures have a special place in my heart and I, and I really love watching you guys do it because you do a phenomenal job of it. Thank you. Now, in the past game, I feel like today, and really, I, I mean, you could argue, I, I would say even more so now, like, you know, you pop open a playbook, a defensive or offensive playbook from 15 years ago, and there were way more protections, you know, because you had hinge and, yeah. you know, you had two backs and one back goes, the other stays in, the tight end stays in. Now it's pretty much six-man protection. If you're in 10 personnel looks, five-man protection. Occasionally you get some full slide seven, man, but it, it seems like protections are easier and less abundant in terms of the different types. I totally agree. When you're game planning these cover one pressures, and I don't know how much of them you actually do in the passing game versus the run game, where's your starting point wow. when you're breaking down those protections? You just hit it on the head. You know, are they a six-man protection team or are they a five-man protection team with getting the back out quick? You know, uh, so based on that, that's where we start. And based on the turn of the center, and we try to influence the turn of the center by outnumbering and then and then moving late. Uh, you know, uh, we give the guys a lot of freedom, free snap, you know, to go ahead and create overloads or show overloads. And then you know, obviously get out and get where, get where they got to go. You know, I'm a big, uh, usually, uh, we try to get where we need to go somewhere around nine seconds left in the forties, you know, in the, uh, on the clock Gotcha. and, uh, and, and, and be ready to go at that point. So you got your feet in the ground. And I, I think that's probably, you know, you, you alluded to it. You know, a lot of those five-man pressures now, it's not like you're blitzing from depth and they're straight-line blitzes. Um, there's a lot more of, you know, and you alluded to, it was the twisting-type five-man pressures where you're trying to knock the guy off and, and, and just force, you know, quick communications and slides and uh you know try to take advantage of, of mistakes in the protection yeah the other thing i'll say too is i think the advent of that meaning the five and six man protections have allowed us to do much more package wise in terms of different 
you know, groups that we're going to throw at you with different patterns, knowing that there's a limited amount of uh, repetitions that we're going to have to get in practice in terms of the protections we're going to see on a Saturday afternoon. I don't know if that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. It's like pass coverages. I mean, the simpler they are, the more you can do. The more that they do, the simpler you have to become because you can't, you know, if they're throwing 25 different routes, you almost have to limit your coverages because you can't rep it all. I mean, that's, I don't know. That's how I feel. I don't know how you feel about that, but it's, right. you don't have to worry about, okay, well, you know, with a lot of those old protections worrying about, okay, which back's going to dual read and which one's going to release. And you're trying to pick on, okay, which guy releases more. I can, you know, I played a lot of West coast guys. Um, Cause you know, I was in the Bay area, Bill Walsh, and, and we saw a couple guys I went against who learned the West coast offense from Bill Walsh when he was at Stanford and the first time and the second time, and literally Palo Alto high school is across the street from Stanford. And we played them and it was a nightmare because they're in, you know, split back 21 personnel and they're, you know, leaving the left back in, but releasing, you know, and sliding to the tight end and the tight end and the back to the tight end and releasing. They had all these different protections, you know, and you're having to worry about all this stuff and okay, making sure this, you get this guy, if he free releases and now it's, it seems like it's easier, especially the 10 personnel look, you know, cause occasionally you'll see the team. I don't, I mean, I don't even really see this. I don't know if you do maybe in the, in the big 10, but, you know, 11 personnel where the tight end staying in and blocking and you're pre-releasing the back. So you're getting your six man protection, but it's, I mean, I don't even see that anymore. Do you guys see that? We see it some, but you know, usually it's the tight end in the up position. He'll stay and then the back will join him, or vice versa. Right. You know, the back will go weak and everything will, will push to the strong side. But no, I, I, I think, I think the limited, um, you know, they're trying to the, – the big movement is spread you out, count the box. All right, you know, there's limited people in the box, so here's how we're going to protect it. You know, I, I think right. that's kind of the, the mode that offenses have gotten into. And, uh, you know, really, I, I think what it forces us to do is show them different looks in that box and make sure every week that you've got a couple things that are up your sleeve mm-hmm. that you prepared, especially, you know, especially for the next opponent. Yeah, no, to- totally. Now I, I kind of want to stay on this for a minute because I did a lot of research. I kind of had a schematic, a personal schematic evolution before the 2018 season. I moved areas, cities, a whole different group of opponents, more modern football had a visit lined up to TCU that was canceled. And so I ended up joining a buddy at Georgia for a clinic. And so I started studying different. I started kind of branching out. I looked into your stuff, looked into Georgia Saban guys. I looked into the coach, you know, Dave Aranda stuff and just kind of picking through stuff. And you know, a lot of those guys, you know, they'll study protections, but really it's like if they line up in certain looks, the offense, you know, you can really, especially with the limited, backs and tight ends and things where you're getting those 10 personnel looks even if it's 11 or 12 you know see, see some of those 12 personnel teams yeah. but they're out as yeah. receivers no, you can only run a couple protections and if you mug up a one backer or you walk up two you're dictating the protection so i found on third down we didn't really we didn't really study the protections as much because we could get in certain looks and know what we were going to get you know what i mean and so it, it became more fun 
Yeah. Instead of being like, we got to worry about this and we got to worry about that. It was more of attacking. It was like, finally, like, all right, no, we get to dictate the terms. You know, when you don't have to worry about all that stuff. I don't know how you feel about that. All right. That's exactly it. You know, you can be, when they're doing less, you can do more. Because you guys, you don't have to say, all right, they're going to give us, when they give us 12, we do this. When they give us 11, when they do that, when they put the tight, two tight ends on, you know, versus two tight ends away from the core, you know, mm. all those things. It's nice when you can say, hey, they're in 11 and it's three by one or two by two and here's what you're going to get. And now you, you can go ahead and set your game plan against the 11 personnel. And then, okay, yeah. now you're going to set your game plan against 12 personnel. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, that may be about it. Yeah. You know? So, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't have my statistics in front of me, but I'll bet uh, 11 personnel, I'll bet, was over 500-plus snaps mm-hmm. this, this past year. And I'll bet 12 personnel was pretty darn close to being second. Then I would say probably uh, 10, and then I would say some form of 20 personnel where they put the two backs in with the three wideouts mm-hmm. or with two wideouts and a tight end, but they're away from the court. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, and I, you know, I'm in the Southeast, so I'm, I'm close to SEC country, and it's just easier for me to drive around and hop in the car. And so, you know, I, I, I've been to Bama, Georgia, Tennessee. I think combined like nine times and I, I'm going to try to come up to Ann Arbor now that I'm got this, I got this new business venture and I've got some time on my hand. You invited me last year. I don't know if that offer still stands, yep, but I'd love did. to come up and hang out in the sec. It's the same way. 11, 11 personnel is anywhere from 65 to 70% of the time. 12 is 15%. 10 is like 10%. And then an amalgamation of the remaining percentage. And, and it's, it's actually tough for me coach because, I see a lot of 10 and I know that you guys see 11 make 10, meaning, you know, it's 11 personnel, but they're lining up in 10 stuff, but they can also get into 11. And it was tough for me because, you know, some defenses that I've studied, you know, they're, they're, they have a very different flavor in 11 versus 10. And so I went and I learned all this cool 11 personnel stuff. And I, you know, went to Clovis and I didn't really know what to expect because there's a bunch of new OCs and then everybody came out in 10 personnel. And I'm like, you know, I'm calling some of these guys that went and visited. I said, how, how would you adjust this to 10 personnel? And they're like, yeah, we wouldn't. I'm like, well, shit, I wasted my visit. You know, so, I mean, that's that's kind of the tough part. We see in high school, I mean, where I'm at, where I've been, we see 10 personnel 75, 70% of the time. Wow. So, it, yeah, it's that's just, it's hard to find tight ends. And especially teams that want to platoon in high school because you have these big schools they don't really believe in the tight end as much. So those tight ends go play DN first and foremost. And so they may have an 11 personnel package, but it's, you know, mostly 10 personnel. So I'm always curious. That's the first thing I watch when I watch college film is I try to see, okay, what are they doing versus 10? But anyway, I digress. So talking about cover one, quick question for you, kind of going off a little bit, but still staying in the cover one talk. How are you teaching your slot defenders with their footwork? Are you having them kind of buzz their feet or is it more of a scooch kind of shuffle back technique? What are you, what are your key coaching points with those guys? 
it's really uh, closer to scooch. In fact, that's the name of our technique. Oh, perfect. We call it the scooch technique. So weight on the knuckles of the big toes, squeeze the knees, proud chest, relaxed upper body. And uh, we're on the outside half. And, uh, you know, obviously we just want to get our feet alive and, and, and moving slightly back, but we're not looking to backpedal, you know? Right. And in fact, you know, our guys will hear it if they, if they start stepping into a backpedal, it's more to just get your feet alive, keep your shoulders quiet. And then we want to opposite on the, the, the receiver in the direction he's going. So, you know, you know, we're looking to, if he's going to the right, then obviously we're going to use our left hand you know, and strike them that way. If it's the other way, then it's, and it's alternate, but we want to try to have uh, outside leverage from slight tilt, uh, get our feet going. And, uh, you know, you, you can say you've got outside leverage, keep your outside leverage. Well, if a guy wants to release outside, he's going to get outside. Right. Just make sure you step and strike with your off, off hand. or you, now you sway yourself up and you push and carry the receiver. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of our our big our big uh, teaching point is leverage, and then you know we play the two types of of uh, you know man free the raider concept where you know we can have the backers uh, they're looking to drop the hooks and take over any inside crossers that are underneath them, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and or we have the one hole rat player and uh you know and one of the one of the uh backers are on the back so, right but uh but our whole thing doesn't change a whole lot in terms of how we want to play scooch technique but i'll tell you that's a priority when we're evaluating and recruiting uh if you know when we're looking at safeties and corners there's you know we don't look for safeties that don't have coverage skills you know that's that's a big piece for us right you know if a guy's a safety one of the priorities especially in this day and age it's nice when you don't have to sub for them and uh you know so that's that's that piece right there now i'm, I'm assuming if you're outside leverage your outside foot's up it's a it's a it's a it's a tilt our outside foot's up but it's a slight tilt gotcha you know and i say put your crotch on his outside foot with a, with a tilt, but yes, outside foot slightly up. Two quick questions off of this. One, is there any, is there any rule for them in terms of if the ball's on the opposite hash where you will get inside and play inside leverage? Uh, yeah, there is. You don't, um, you don't have to tell me if you don't want to tell me the exact number. The divider on the field. I, I, that's all I'll tell you is that right. we get to a certain divider on the field. Mm-hmm. Then uh, obviously we could take the uh, op- opposite leverage. I'll uh, I'll ask you when we're off air because I'm curious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you'll tell me in confidence. No, but uh, <laughs> and then my other question is: Do you change your technique when you're playing? I understand the difference between the raider and the rat, um, but do you change your technique at all when you go from a four man rush with somebody in the middle, whether it's raider or it's rat? versus your technique if it's a five-man rush and there's nobody in the hole yeah you know that that's that's one of the premises you know with the five-man one of the you know you you'll have one backer left now 
There you go. Are they going to block the back? And are you going to add off the back, or are you going to leave them in the hole? You know, and and that sometimes can be part of the of the game plan piece. Oh, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Uh, depending on the mobility of the quarterback, or you know what his penchant will for checkdowns and those kinds of things will be. And I'm guessing so, screens, uh, screen like how much they screen to the back, because if you want to hug him up, if they're going to screen versus dropping. Yes, okay. you know, and uh, so that's that's how you get those things got to come into play for sure. Each week, that's going to come up, you know, different problems, and and that's the beauty of game planning is, you know, you got to come up with a a counter a, a counter to their to their answer, and hope and and then obviously have tremendous belief in it and coach it hard all week. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's say you're putting the backer on the back and he's going to hug rush or green dog, whatever you want to call it. Are you then going to ever tell those guys, Hey, you need to get inside. You're not going to have any help over the middle. Or do you just have them undercut if they drive inside? And then that's how you take care of the. We're a big undercut. You know, we, we spend a lot of time coaching the principles not only to the safeties, not only to the corners, but obviously the our viper has to be excellent versus the tight end and our and our backs and our linebackers have to, you know, they gotta be on all the nuances of the running backs. Right. That makes sense. Everything we do with them just as a general rule is inside out on the back. Got it. Now, one of my questions has been when you're in your coverage your city, and I don't know the terms. I know that it's known as city coverage, but the term for when you're basically yo-yoing off or fox, some people call it a fox, where you're on the back. So you got the two size safeties. And we talked about this last pod, where mm-hmm. if the guy comes across, one safety comes down and the other one rocks back. Um, you know, if he stays on the same side, you know, they're rocking and rolling. So my question is. Do your run fits change if you're running that kind of rock and roll based off the flow of the Y concept versus a concept where you just line up in a four, three and you shove your backer, like where you put your Viper on the, the tight end, you got the tight end, your other two backers are, you know, slid over. So you're in a true four, three pre-snap look versus a four, two look with two high safeties and they're rocking and rolling. Do your run fits change at all? Or do you tie them all in together? So it stays the same. You're you're all, you're all over it right now. I mean, you're all over it. That's that's one of the reasons that I like what you know. How many guys move when they're going to run split zone from one side of the formation to the other? And the answer is one. So why in hell would you move your linebackers and possibly your safeties? What for that reason? So our whole thing is they move one, we move one. Right. They now some people will start the motion of of one guy and then the H will come back. Well, you can't three way it because it's I think there's too much margin for error. Mm-hmm. So that requires who's ever on the H to travel, which means go go behind the formation. And come out the other side, and you know he's got to protect against the insert. He's got to protect against the 
you know, the, 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 uh, the split zone, he's got to protect against the bluff. So he's, he's inside out with that guy the whole way. But it's certainly nice when you're a Michael Will linebacker and you're playing through your A-gap, through the footwork of the back, and you're not worried about changing gaps. Right. That's all I'll say on that issue. Yeah, I mean that's one of the things that I'm a I'm a four two guy at heart. You know, I, I my first defense I ran was the old G defense robber. So our backers are always inside out. And I've got a lot of really good friends that are really great football coaches that teach the lever spill lever four three concept versus twenty and eleven personnel. And to me, it's just so much. I that's why it's just too much. And that's why I love your concept where the overhang, wherever that guy goes, he's going to be the outside piece, which allows your backers to be inside out. Yep. Now, how do you get the overhang? It's either through a zone drop, and he, that's his drop, mm-hmm. or in man-to-man, you know, let your man take you to the ball. You follow right. me? Absolutely. And you've just got to understand what your leverage is going to be when you get there. Now, the backside linebacker, let's say we're getting zoned. We're getting zone. Let's say it's um, let's say it's three by one loaded. So you've got, you know, eleven personnel. The Y is off. He's to the twins. The back is stacked. Actually, no. Let's say the back is weak. So the back is to the one receiver side. You've got your four two box. Let's just say the three techniques of the field. You're just playing. You you know you're rat in the hole one cover one, and you're you're gonna fox the uh, sniffer. I don't know what you call it, but you're gonna rock and roll based on where he goes. And he comes back across to the boundary. So your boundary side deep safety is going to come down. He's going to be the outside piece. That backer to the field, that is now technically your cutback player because the other safety's got to go play the middle of the field, right? He's got to be your middle mm-hmm. of the field player. That linebacker away from where the overhang is coming down, do you teach him anything special in terms of playing cutback because he doesn't have anything out? He doesn't have an overhang outside yeah. of him. You know, he's got to be concerned about the Zoomer play, which is they base block out on the three. Let's say it's the three and the six, okay, with the tight end there. Mm -hmm. All right. So they base the three with the guard. They base the defensive end with the tackle, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, now that, that means the mic's all by his lonesome and he's reading through the quarterback to the running back. Well, if he runs out of that A-gap, the quarterback's going to pull the ball from the running back and take the A-gap. Right. You with me? So he's got a slow play. The onside backer, however, you know, he's going to get wide footwork out of the running back, so he's rolling off the back, and, you know, obviously... Uh, the offside backer has to, he has to see the quarterback hand the ball off before he goes anywhere. And this is supposing that the, the tight end is slicing across the, the, to the one receiver side, right? Well, let's say even if he arced and based, he didn't come across the formation. Okay. They can still run the Zuma play. You know, you know what I'm getting at? Right. They but- can still... Base the, out on the guard, the tackle, and, and isolate the mic in the A gap. And if he runs, the quarterback just pulls the ball and takes it through the A gap. Right. 
but he'll have we an overhang outside of him, right? So, I mean, like, he's protected outside. Yeah, now, now, if they go split zone and right. they open to the weak side, where that ball can come back to the strong side, and now we're spinning, you follow me? Right. That's where you better be, you better be rock, sol- rock solid uh, with, you know, your front and your linebackers in sync handling all the, uh, all the fits across the board. And then your safety comes down to be the uh, overhang player, you know, uh, to the side of the back, in essence. Right. But away from, you know, away from uh, where the H are lined up. And there's sometimes, if they're using, you know, if they're using like a, a tight end that's, a, you know, more of a tight end than he is a, you know, he's more of an offensive lineman than he is a pass catcher. We'll just travel that guy. We won't even spin it. We'll just lock it up with the Vipe, and he'll run over with him, and everybody else plays off. You know what I'm saying? So the backers would still play the same as if you were spinning, but they just they don't Correct. know any different. That Viper, if he comes back across, that's all they know. The Viper's going to run over the top. Gotcha. Yep. Got it. That makes sense. I'm excited to introduce Coach Vast Defense, a comprehensive out-of-the-box defensive system with everything you need to coordinate a top-tier defense coming in early 2025. The system is a one-stop shop and comes with a complete, robust defensive scheme with tools to get into any structure, including even, odd, mint-tight, bare, stack, three-high, and more. It comes with an NFL-level playbook with run fits and route matches narrated install videos with a schedule for implementation and a library of answers for every offense you will see, including the spread 11 personnel offense du jour, the air raid, the Bryles offense, option schemes including the flex bone, the wing tee, three back, and much more. It also comes with a drill and game film library, live in-season game planning sessions, templates to help you organize practice, opponent breakdown, and tools to make you a better play caller. Whether you're new to coordinating or a grizzled vet looking for new ideas, this system will have something for everyone. If you want to see all the details of the system, visit coachfastdefense.com and make sure to sign up for the mailing list to get updates and invitations to webinars to have your say in the system's creation so all of your coaching needs are met. Again, go to coachfastdefense.com, check out the details, and sign up for the mailing list. So switching gears, I want to talk about cover two zone dogs. I, I noticed watching your film. I don't know if I just happened to notice it more. It seemed like you did a little bit more this year than you had in the past. I don't know if that's the case or not. Um, that's but, the truth. That's, that's true. But I, but I noticed a lot of it. What are some of your favorite normal regular down? And, and, and again, I'm, I'm only asking, I mean, this stuff's on film. I don't want you to give away any, you know, trade secrets. You know, I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to put you in a weird position. But just stuff that you've no, done in the past. I mean, in our four down stuff, bringing the viper, uh, reducing the front. You know, the three technique and the six, and then you know, obviously the mic plays through to C gap to the tight end. That's one uh, out of four down. Mm-hmm. Out of three down, you know, we we run like four to five. You know, we'll have a strong side three down. We have a weak side, three down pressure. We have a corner blitz. Uh, we have the strong, strong safety that'll come. And then all those things will adjust to formations, but our guys know all the adjustments because two trap is, is our world. You know, right. that's, 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 that's home to us. 
And and to be honest, I don't think you can minor in two trap. I think you have to major in two trap as a as a seven man drop coverage, mm-hmm. and then obviously as a six man drop coverage, bringing the fifth guy. Does that make sense? Absolutely. We we've run we uh you know I got this from Gary Patterson. They call it five jam. Or basically you're bringing the nickel or your viper and then somebody's got the back the end if it's if it's four down the end to the boundary will loop and take the back if it's three down the old 50 two trap dog uh zone dog which i saw you do where you're basically bringing a guy off each edge and then the nose has the back something like it's or something to that effect yeah and it was a couple of those. um that's what we've done that too and it's time consuming because for coaches that don't do this stuff and you're thinking about it, the things that you have to decide for me, and this is just my opinion, what do you do when one comes inside? Like, you know, one runs a five yard fin route or in route and two runs a seam. Do you have whoever's VHing two drop and take one in the corner sink? Or do you have the corner take, you know, one back inside and you leave that guy who's VHing two on two? Those are some of the considerations that you have to make. That's what I'm going to tell you. Formations dictate how you play those things. So whatever you're good at, you know, in those two trap family, whatever you feel like, well, if it's normal tight end flanker, I want to be normal two trap. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it they motion to Z in, well, what's your adjustment? You can't have four of them because you can't practice them all. Right. So get good at a couple of them or one of them. Uh, all right, they come out in a trio bunch close. What's your check? You know, I, and I think those are the things that you almost have to go and look at yourself based on what your guys are good at and who can you stress. Like, is your corner really good? Do you trust them playing press man, you know, in a three-by-one formation? Mm-hmm. Well, if you do, great. If you have two of those guys, that's even better. Uh, but you gotta you gotta make those decisions. If two's detached uh, to one side, but it's a tight end flank to the other, well, how are you playing to the tight end flank side? Now you playing to the twin side, and how do you get them to work in concert? Absolutely. Are there any of the pressures that you like on third and long that differ from the regular distance uh, two trap or pressures? Well, I'll tell you, um, you know, the the uh, we've got into this uh, Superman deal, which I think is pretty good, where you have, you cover everybody up front, you know, the tackle, the guard, the center, the guard, the tackle. Mm-hmm. And you have a myriad of five-man twists. You don't have to necessarily play man. You can play man if you'd like, mm-hmm. man-free, or you can do some kinds of zone. Uh, or you can even drop out and play your, you know, we play that we like to play some bracket stuff, which right. it's on tape. Everybody knows we play it. We play it really well. So, you know, I, I think that's what it really comes down to is, you know, what are you going to spend your time at? But I'll tell you, and I'll go to my grave on this one, Chris, is you've got to go into a game with about 14 things for third down. You've got to make sure that's the most important down in football. And if you're not multiple and your players 
not confident with the concepts you're running because you know you haven't put the necessary time in. I think that's a that's really the biggest biggest piece. And we've been historically good at it um, over the last uh, four years at Michigan. Uh, we're not great. We're not perfect. Uh, but, uh, you know, we put a lot of time into third down red zone and, uh, uh, you know, the fringe. So I don't know if that makes any sense. No, I love the, we, we, how we call it a five O package because we were talking about the Superman where you, it's basically a, the way we do it is basically, you know, bear look a two fives, two threes and a zero. And the zero could be a backer. It could be a nose with two backers and thirties or threes. I mean, it depends, but, um, you know, as long as you count for the back, the two traps, I think it's great. And I, and I watched a little bit of you guys doing that. And that's kind of why it piqued my interest in there. But, uh, moving on to 12 personality question from a friend, Brian Vaughn, we were talking and I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Don Brown and looking at this, looking at that. If you were me, what would you ask? And he says, how do you handle tight end wing? So we're talking tight end wing, 12 personnel, twins to the other side, and you're getting your 12 personnel du jour. You're getting some zone read. You're getting stretch. You're getting maybe pin pull zone or buck sweep. What's your favorite way to play that sort of stuff with maybe some RPOs to the twins? See, I, I, I think you can be, you know, what I call hammered to the tight end wing side. So you have an overhang outside the wing. You play with a six technique. And uh, you have a high C9 player. You know, he's in the C gap nine yards deep. So he can play that area between the tight end and the wing. Mm -hmm. And it's it's kind of a, you know, a, a cover two concept. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously you detach the will. So you're three over two to the twin side, um, to the cover side. And, uh, you know, you play with uh, six guys in the box, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, obviously the mics, for example, if you set the three technique, which I like to set the three to the tight end wing, you know, that's the, that's the muscle run side. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you, you've got to go ahead and practice the plays, the, the, uh, you know, the, uh, pin and pull slash play and how you're going to fit it. Um, you know, the, you know, and there would be the, the tight end would block the six technique. The tackle would block the guard. Um, the wing will go out to block the overhang, which that's, in essence, first puller. The guard's coming now. That's second puller. So the inside backer to that side has got to be outside of him. And then, you know, your backside backer who's running based on the footwork of that back and the pullers are telling him everything he needs to know He's moving and grooving, playing it inside out to the ball. So, for example, that's one play. But I like it uh, with the hammer position because you can get fall in. You know, if you go if you go with width, that uh, inside linebacker can come in and he can impress the D gap. You got your your C nine player coming down, and you got your overhang already out there. So, I think you're in good shape. And then. You have guys that are in position to play games. I don't know if that makes sense, no, but I'm, you want to play games now. Now you've got enough guys in position that you can do some things. And if you're in your man free deal, you know, your Viper covers the tight end, your safety, 
you know, he's off the ball playing off the uh, the wing and the other safety, uh, you know, if that guy goes back, you know, you can spin it and, uh, and, and you're in good shape to play. Now, the end for us, this, uh, this quitty pay that we have, uh, go watch him. He's number 19. And I say it all the time. He is the best spread run defender in the country as a defensive end. Wow. Last year, you mentioned Josh Uche and uh, he, the prophecy from Don Brown panned out on that one. In fact, around draft time, people started picking back up on the podcast we did in, in August. And you, you mentioned a quote about Josh and they, they referenced it. So who's your, your new guy? What's this guy's name? What's your new guy's name? Number 19. Quitty Pay. All right. Write that down, everybody. All right. Now here's the other one. Okay. Like this Josh Uche. Okay. And this is for high school coaches that coach young people that get down on this stuff. He was the 707th ranked player when he came out of high school. Wow. And he was the 60th pick in the NFL draft. Incredible. Who coaches that guy? That's what I want to know. uh, All I know is I get out of his way. I give him some good direction, but, you know. Give that man a raise. And he's a good player. That's awesome. (laughs) But that's true. He was the 707th ranked player coming out of high school by somebody. Ranked by an expert. And I know that because I recruited him out of high school. That's awesome. That's great. Now, now you you mentioned Quinn, right? Is his name? Quinny. Quinny. Or what were you what were you going to say about him? Say, uh, just a great spread run defender. So I'm not nervous about saying, "All right, Quinny, you got the outside half of this, and he'll handle it." You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if they run zone read at him, I'm not worried about him. Now we'll get him some help. Uh, we'll get him some help, but uh, I've seen him several times play the bluff play by himself, the zone read by himself, split zone. He he knows how to play both sides of the block. You know he's just an excellent player. So that's great when you, you know that. sometimes you get those kind of guys. You don't have to get them as much help, and you can kind of you know figure out where who does need the help or where you're gonna where you're going to go ahead and show yourself up a little bit stronger. Makes perfect sense. Now I want to talk about another set of formations, and this is more generically speaking, but the uh, quote unquote, Sean McVay snug squeeze formations. Now I know I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you see a lot of that stuff because you do play a lot of cover one. What is your philosophy? Yeah, That's why you can't just be an exclusive cover one team against those things. Right. You have to be able to show people zones and landmark zones so you can get that stuff covered. Yeah, because, I mean, it's, I know in the pros they do it to try to take advantage of the over routes and cover three, um, you know, trying to get the the third level, you know, or get that intermediate zone, those deep crossers. And I know against man teams, like we, there was one year we played a lot of man and we saw a lot of that stuff. What is, and I, and I know that you have a philosophy. I mean, and, and that's the, I think that's the art of coaching defense is okay. I have a philosophy and this is what I want to do. But at the end of the day, I'm also defending an offense. 
and I got to have Correct. curveballs. I got to have change-ups. 100%. All you got to do is show it. Yeah. All you got to do is show it a handful of times, and you're, you're going to help yourself because you can't be a one-trick pony, and sometimes you get stubborn, but you just can't be a one-trick pony. Right. Now, I'm going to say something maybe a little controversial, and you don't have to agree with me. You, you can totally disavow me and say that's, that's wrong. You're, you're full of it. But I have a little bit of a feeling that I think offensive coaches are more easily spooked than we think that they are. I think if you do something enough times, just once, twice, maybe three times, like I saw you, don't quote me on what game it was, but you guys were playing somebody and you're playing a lot of your cover one stuff as usual. And then they were trying to crack and hit the edge and you, you played a snap of two trap and you almost put somebody flat out done i mean it was it was brutal and it was clean it was it was completely clean and legal but i mean it was uh it was you basically your guy got to jump inside jump the bubble or there was a lot i think it was like a almost like almost like a crack toss but like a throw like they were just pin 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 hit the edge and your guy snuck in between in, inside the number one receiver and obliterated the receiver and that was it you never saw that play again so it's one of those things like you don't have to defend that play every time. All you got to do is defend it once and it'd be really good and you won't see it again. And I don't know how you feel about that. Those offensive coaches are very smart when they, when it, when there's a play that doesn't work, a lot of times they'll move on. Right. Cause they want to, they want to keep the chains moving. They don't want to be behind the chains. I feel like they're more patient than we are. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like I'm like, they got six yards. We're blitzing everyone. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I could coach offense. Cause I, if something bad would happen and I would throw four verts and we would, it'd be third down, before you could blink. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I don't know if you have, the con- I don't know if I had the constitution to coach offense. I've coached offense before, but not calling plays. <laughs> Cause there's no, there's no bring. Si- there's no like bear joker city for offense. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not nearly as fun. Like, do you think, do you think the offensive coordinators in the Big Ten get as excited about calling outside zone as you do about calling your pressures? I don't think so. I don't think. First of all, I don't think there's anybody in America that gets more excited than you, and I think it's fantastic. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, a couple more questions for you. I know we're, we're okay. getting to the end. This is an interesting question from a friend of mine. I I, I outsource because I had some questions, but I kind of wanted to get do a little something different this time. I hit up um, a couple coaching friends of mine that I know that studies your stuff and loves your defense. And I was like, you know, I have these questions, but you've been studying coach, you know, you model your site. I know a couple guys that basically they try to model their defense after yours as best you can in high school. And so I kind of outsourced some of the questions because I wanted to, I wanted to get a different, you know, palette of questions for you, especially because you're a returning guest. And one of the interesting questions that I got was, a guy like yourself, who's got a lot of experience, you have a certain way that you install, you go through spring. I mean, it, it becomes, you do this for so many years. I mean, I'm 36. I've been coaching football for 14 years. I developed a, a pretty formulaic thing for, for doing spring and preseason. But you played the triple option last year, and I think it was game two you played Army. Yeah. How much, if at all, did that game kind of, I don't say hanging over your head, like it was some albatross, but knowing that you were going to see the triple, 
did it change your spring prep, your fall camp prep, or your, you know, any of that stuff, like how you did things that you had done in the past when you didn't play the triple? We, uh, it's, it's, it's literal torture. (laughs) Uh, spring practice, we donated at least one period a day from practice six through practice 15, excluding the spring game. So we were working on it and it, and it takes, you know, it takes, you know, preparation time in the meeting room and then you've got to go out and rep it and you're picking two, three plays a day plus a play act, action. And then when we came back for fall camp, again, once we cleared the, the tough installs, the t- first five, I mean, we were every day spending time on 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 uh, on the option, and then so by the time we got to the game week, we had the whole game plan in, and we just ran it every day at the guys, um, and it and it helped. I mean, we you know we held a what I would consider an excellent army team. Uh, you know, unfortunately they. They lost their quarterback against us. They mm. lost their fullback against us. But I thought a very good football team, uh, you know, we held them to 14 in regulation, and I, I think it was 24-21 final in overtime. So, and we ended it with a strip set, so we were really fortunate. Uh, uh, I think they do a tremendous job. And, uh, you know, Nate's going to do a great job on defense for them. And we played Air Force. Uh, in 17, so it wasn't like a surprise. And, right. you know, when I was at, you know, when I was at Maryland, we played Navy. I mean, when I was the head coach at UMass, we played Navy. So we've always kind of, you know, dealt with them, but it's not a fun experience. I don't care what anybody says. It takes you out, away from your rhythm. You know, in in week two, that was, that was our deal. And then here you are, and you and I know this sounds corny, but then we've got to play Wisconsin, who's a two-back run team, which is we played 10 personnel middle Tennessee. Then we played, um, obviously, Army, who runs the triple, and then we had Wisconsin. So, you know, three different, really different styles of offense which certainly, uh, you know, helped get you ready for the rest of the year. But, you know, it, it, it's a difficult process when you're trying to, you know, give your guys your own defense mm-hmm. and you're getting ready for three different offenses in three different weeks. My advice is, um, you know, you've got to give it to them and you got to spend the time. You can't take the easy way out. Uh, you got to give you know, the, the amount of time necessary, uh, you know, and I thought we, I thought we, we dedicated enough time in spring and in preseason so that when we got to the game week, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of questions. We were just looking to wrap it out. Right. Well, that's not corny at all. I mean, that's, it sounds like high school football. I mean, we've, I've told the story before we saw 10 different offenses in 10 different games and I'm, I'm talking, split veer, double wing, old school, single wing, air raid, two back fly, wing T, 
you know, flex bone. I mean, I we saw this in one year, so I, I totally get the pain and misery you go through in those things. And especially like Middle Tennessee, I, you know, I, that game was fresh in my mind because it was the last one I watched before talking to you was, you know, they were doing a lot of stuff schematically. It was just a pain in the ass. I mean, and now so you I just, can't stay on it. you know, sure. and it's and it's the first game of the year too, so you have no idea what they're, you know, what they've been, and I'm sure for 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 them, you were their Super Bowl, so correct. Um, it's all good though. Real quick on the triple, any uh, any advice, quick advice for coaches defending it besides the prep time, like any anything um, you want to share? We play it with we we played it with the three three stack. Uh, concept with a point man at the top of the stack and a, and a coverage in a trap shell. Uh. So, you know, therefore there's a lot of carryover for the back end guys. And, uh, you know, obviously, as you know, we're a three, three stack team. So there's some carryover for our guys up front as well. And then, but I also say this, there's situations and formations that the, the, uh, the service academies will give you that you go, I wish I was in this pressure yeah. or I wish we weren't in this option defense. Mm. We had the ability to check blitzes uh, or I would call blitzes. And then if they came out in a, in a, a, a triple option formation, the guys would just go right back and run the triple option defense. But if it was one of those formations that, we could pressure them. We ran the pressure. So, you know, they felt the pressure in, in, in common sense situations, which you don't want to run them against some of those triple option deals. But, you, you know, the, there's certain formations you definitely want to run them against. Yeah, with the unbalanced tight end stuff. and 100%. You know where that rock's going. Yeah, I, I get one guess. Okay, so two questions left. We don't we we kind of stay away from this is not a storytelling podcast. I'm not, I'm not anti-storytelling, but I don't like fluff. I don't I mean this is a let's talk about football and let's you know, like let's get into it. But I I want to I want to ask you to tell a story on here. I saw an interview with you recently and I don't know how it came up or anything, but they were asking you about your relationship with Bill Belichick. Now, I think it's every one of every coach's dream is to be able to hang out with him and watch film. And it's not that there's not other coaches that, you know, that they wouldn't want to sit with either, but like, he's so secretive and you know how NFL guys are like, they don't, they don't get anything out of meeting with high school coaches in terms of recruiting and stuff. And it's really hard to get in these buildings. And, and uh, you talked about going and studying up there. And so my question to you is how did that relationship with coach Belichick begin? And, and when you go out there, what do you guys do? No, I've been with coach, uh, especially when I was in New England. Um, actually, uh, you know, we had a couple members of their coaching staff come uh, meet us, come see us this year. So that was, and we had already been, you know, I mean, the nice thing is you have the ability to view NFL coaches cut tapes. So, you know, Gerard Mayo was with us. He was kind enough to uh, spend some time with us. And, uh, you know, couldn't have been better. I like Gerard a lot. And uh, no coach, you know, I mean, I've had several conversations with coach, but it's really more of studying their tape uh, 
and the things that they do on a on a year to year basis that they tweak, especially as you know, I'm hungry on third down. So yeah, um, you know th- those are the those are the, the things that are great. And obviously, I uh, had a chance to say hello to Coach on at Nantucket last year. But he's a you know he's a great football coach. He's a great defensive football coach as well. That's his roots. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know when we get our when we in the off season when we start research and tape that's the first place we go i love their stuff i was lucky enough to get some of their playoff tape when they they beat the rams with some of the you know some of the calls and stuff and and i love their i love their 5-0 stuff where they're running the different games uh you know my favorite one that they run i don't know what they called it i learned it from bama they call it magic but it's the one where the, the zero technique slants to the a the three uh, slants to the other A, and then the three from the other side, usually to the side of the back going away, loops all the way around to the other B gap. It's all the old bear twists. It's all the old Buddy Ryan three-man interior twists. Yeah, and I I love that stuff, and I love watching yeah, them. And, and uh, we ran their one double jersey number coverage, won a state title a couple of years ago. Basically, we we saw a six eight receiver who had two thousand yards receiving, and a kid that started for Arizona State. And so we put in the old one double jersey number coverage and helped us win. So I've I mean everybody loves coach. I mean, I know I'm a long suffering Dolphins fan, but I you know I I respect the hell out of coach, and it's just it's cool that you got to hang out. Like does he does he send you back with cut ups and stuff like? How does that no, work? No, no way. No, he's not texting no you way. screenshots of his playbook. <laughs> <laughs> no, not feeling that. No. All right, Coach. Well, oh yeah. Well, I got a question. Last question for you. Usually, we ask a championship question where I, I give you a situation, you say what blitz you like, blah blah blah, or pressure coverage, whatever. We did that the first time you're on the pod. So as we go out. I got two questions for you. Who inspires you? Who do you look forward to watching for ideas or as a muse besides the Patriots? And number two, where do you see defensive football going in the next five years? Uh, I, I, I think, you know, I guess I'll answer the second one first. Um, I, I just think the speed thing is, is, is such an issue. Uh, you know, people are spreading you out and, uh, you know, trying to manipulate you that way. And obviously there's such great size at the wide receiver position. Um, how are you going to counteract that? Uh, the RPO structure is just going to continue to grow. And, uh, you know, what's going to be other answers in that area as we move forward defensively? I think that's, I think those are the two. I think it's a great question that you asked. And I think the RPO movement is going to be one area. But I also, I would not be shocked to see us go back to, um, it'll never be a full-time deal, and at least I don't think it will be. But I, I see packages where, big people show up on the field. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. You know, just because it's, just because it becomes unique. Yep. Well, I think you see it. I mean, I, the big 10, obviously there's, there's more of that. I think per 
team than you usually see, but like you know, the Big 12, you got Kansas State. Um the Pac 12, it's there's not as much of a pronounced thing, but Wisconsin or sorry, not Wisconsin, Washington has big people. Uh in the SEC, you see Vanderbilt and still in a lot of 12 under center, you know, you still see a lot of that stuff. And and so I've always wondered when if it was going to come back around, like, you know, basically like coach coach when coach harbaugh came to stanford and was doing all that you know seven eight you know seven lineman stuff you know finding somebody to be like all right you want to get lighter we're going to get bigger and try and try and just jam the ball down your throat yep i think i you know gonna go that way to an extreme with the rpos and i could see it people get trying to get bigger especially you know as package scenarios to try to, you know, take advantage of a, a team they believe they can out out uh out muscle. Yeah. And then then the second part of that is who inspires you? Who do you like to watch when you get some free time? Who do you look at that you say, you know, you find yourself stealing ideas from or bar I guess borrowing would be a nicer way to say it. Um, who gets you going? Who do you like watching? Uh you know, I think Wade films Phillips has done an outstanding job. Uh, so, I'm sorry to see uh, him not coaching. He was with the Rams last. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an outstanding football coach. I've been trying to get him uh, on the podcast, so if you can help me out with that, that'd be fantastic. Because he's always um, on Twitter saying, I got time, let's talk football. Who wants to talk football? I'm like, I want to talk football. No luck. Yeah, I think he's a he's a He's an absolute, you know, great football coach. I think Brent Venables does a really good job at Clemson. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously uh, Coach Saban. And my boss inspires me, too. He's a creative guy and uh, encourages creativity uh, with our entire staff. So That's great. Those guys. Awesome. Well, Coach, again, a pleasure. I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. And uh, and try to stay sane in the uh, in the quarantine social distancing time. All right, my friend, and you stay healthy. And my best to your family. Thank you so much, Coach. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Make Defense Great Again. And also thank you to Coach Brown for coming on. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Coach Vass and the show's account at MDGA Podcast, where a follow equals a follow back. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Coach This week, you'll get the bonus pod with James Light, Silver, and Gold members. We'll get drawings of a lot of the pressures and some of the base coverages. And the gold package includes the 52 cutups I mentioned earlier. If you're interested in my CoachTube courses, you can check the show notes for a direct link to the bundle. Also, check out Coach Alexander's bundle that's being featured this week. I want to welcome Huddle to the podcast, as well as thank Glazier and CoachTube for their continued support. Make sure, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast and rate and review it so coaches can have an easier time finding it. And as always, remember, the quarterback can't see with tears in his eyes.